1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to go back into what we did la- we were doing last week. I know that the list, the, the, uh, today's references is, uh, looks rather long. Don't be intimidated. We're going to go through them really quick. But actually, it's more for just your information as we uh, go through this. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, if you will, verse 3, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and out of a good conscience, and out of a faith unfeigned. Our Heavenly Father, as we look this morning at your word, we would just pray, Lord, that we would rejoice in it, let it speak to our inner man, and build and securely build us up in your word. In your name we pray, amen. Last week we were talking about building the, the inner man, building the stronger brother, looking at you and I, here we are, we're going to do this again, funny man, okay, and we have a spirit. And in that spirit, that's where our mind is, where our vocabulary is, where our thinking is, where, where we begin to, we let things come in. We're going to let God's word come in, in one ear, and we have human viewpoint that's out there in the world comes in the other side. Then you have your soul, and in your soul, that's the real you, that's who you are. By the way, this is your body. Your body, you can share with people. You can do transplants, you can do this, you can do that. But you, you cannot share with anybody. That's you. This is where your heart is. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. The heart is the mentality of the soul, the thinking process of the soul. In there, you also have a will. We also call it volition, where we're going to decide on some things and we're going to go and do that. And by the way, I said it last week, or two weeks ago, volition is more than just free will. Volition is, I can have the rights to make the, the decision, the choice, but I also am going to be held accountable for it. Sometimes free will just sits there and says, hey, you can choose. But I can choose, yes, but I have to be accountable for it as well. Also in here, you have a conscience. And that conscience is that standard of norms and, and standards that you have built into your inner man, into your soul, that says this is good, that's not. Whether it's mom and dad as you're raised, or whether it's the Word of God as you grow and as you put the Word in you, that sits there and it says that's activity is, is not matching what we decided to do. Then you have your emotions. And your emotions is the link to your body. Now, your emotions are designed only to be run by your heart and your will. They do not run the show. You know why? Because your emotions are dumb. Okay? One minute you're crying, the next minute you're laughing. How's that? Well, you've got the emotions. Your body, your vehicle, you see the word motion in it. Let's go do. we got to go do this. Now, as, as unsaved folks, all this is dead, darkened, not depraved and everything. We're going to talk about that. We're talking about you, okay? And what God did in, in the Word of God is He says, I want you to teach no other doctrine, verse 4, never, never, neither giving heed to fables. That's the fancy stories. Those are the stories with the moral ending to it. You know, the, the, the stories that are going to, the, the tortoise and the hare, okay? Who wins that? 
The tortoise does. Yeah, okay. See, that's okay. See, well, well, maybe you read it and the tortoise does, and the hare wins. Who knows, right? It's left up to you. You make the decision on that. No, you, okay, exactly. See, you never should audibly answer a question. <laughs> okay, but see, so you don't give in to the story. It's, this is not story time, okay? Nor endless genealogies. That's the who's who. That's the, I go to this church because Dr. So-and-so was the founder and blah, blah, blah. It's not about the, endless, the genealogy, okay? I had a guy one time tell me, you just do that because of your, who your dad is. I'm like, no, I don't think so. But okay, if you think that, and we had to, I had to correct him a little bit. But it's not about the genealogy. What do we do? We godly edify. Rather, godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. So what are we going to do? There's an edification process. There's going to be a file here, a filing cabinet. And we, we looked at this last time, and I want to pick up on, some, on this. Come back to Romans 16, just real, real quick, so that we get this. Paul says in Romans 16, 25, Paul's goal, Romans 1, verse 11 and 12, is to, is to have there be a mutual faith, an establishment doctrine here. So Romans, he does that in. At the end of it, verse 25, he says, Now to, power, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. And we get this issue of Paul's gospel, and, the, and we get orientated to the grace of God. And to, the, and to what God's grace has done for us, okay? Then he says, And to the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. So now we've got this mystery information that has been revealed. Now in Romans, there's no information about that because that's going to come from the book of Ephesians, the next book of doctrine. Romans is going to be here. Ephesians is going to talk about the mystery, and here's the goal. Why is God forming the church, the body of Christ? What's he doing this for? And Ephesians gives us the great doctrine of that. Then he says, and with the scriptures of the prophets. So now we have some information up here, and here is going to be the issue of glory. And that's going to come in the doctrinal book of Thessalonians. And, and I'm doing this quickly because this is, ought to be review, and we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Okay, but so the thing is, is you have this pattern, this edification process here that Paul gives. Now, come over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and he lays that out for you and I so that if you, I'm, I'll be honest with you, if you never heard anybody teach about Paul and the apostles, and all you did was read your Bible, when you come to the book of Romans and you read Romans to Philemon, you are reading the godly edification process. You didn't need me. I'm glad you do need me and glad we're here. But you don't. You need the book. That's why we fight about the book. That's why it's a King James Bible. That's why it's, it's something that needs to be defended and, and looked at and promoted and protected. Why? Because if you just read, that's all we're going to do this morning is read. What saith the scripture? We did that two weeks ago, three weeks ago. That's what we're doing, okay? What did I tell you? 2 Timothy 3.16. I love this. All Scripture is given. How much of the Scripture? It's all given. He's not, he doesn't have, you know, we, somebody was talking, we were talking about the book of Enoch. That was, yeah. He doesn't have a book over here stuck that nobody knows about. It's all been given. It's all right here. 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine. Isn't that interesting? Doctrine. Uh, let's not do it over there. Let's do it on the other side. Doctrine. Doctrine. That's going to tell you what the truth is and what you need to believe. For reproof. Now your behavior is not matching the doctrine. For correction. You have doctrine that's bad. It's an error. Those three components make up the instruction in righteousness. So if I want to be instructed in righteousness, what do I need to have? I have to have doctrine, I have to have reproof, and I have to have correction. Because when I learn the doctrine, there's a growing process here that I have to work down through. So if I'm over here doing something, if, if I'm over here learning the doctrine, I got, I got God's grace down, and then I come up over here in, in, uh, in, in the book of uh, uh, the Corinthians. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Now I know how to handle that. By the way, the books of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the book of Galatians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, those reproof and correction books, they are doctrine. I've heard people sometimes say, oh, we just don't really need to follow that because it's really not doctrine. No, they are doctrine. Why? They're the Word of God. He's telling you what you need to do to fix something. So reproof, fix your behavior, correction, fix your thinking, doctrine, here's the truth. Here's the doctrine. So when you come into this and we begin to say doctrine, Reproof and correction. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. You come to the first book of doctrine, and that's Romans. And it has to do with the cross. It has to do with the grace of God. Right? It has to do with the how and what the... It's a foundational book. It's the very foundation of everything that's going to happen. But Romans has some chapters in it, doesn't it? Sixteen of them. There's going to be four pillars that he's going to lay out in Romans. And, and this is what I want to do with you this morning, is just look at how these epistles are laid out, okay? And then, and then the, the big list in front of you is the links, how they link together, okay? So we'll go until noon so I don't get in trouble with the nursery. And then we'll just call her quits, okay? But so the thing is here is that you've got four pillars in Romans, chapters one to five. Let's let's do it in here in your inner man. Chapter one to five, chapters six to eight, chapters nine to eleven, and chapters twelve to sixteen. That's Romans. Chapters one to five, here's your justification. You're justified by grace. There's your justification. In, cha in chapters 1 to 3, you learn that you're condemned. There's a condemnation. We're all sinners. We're all guilty. But also in chapter 3, we learn that there's a redemption in Christ Jesus. And that he has he's put that proposition on the table for man to believe. Chapter 4, we learn faith is the issue. And in chapter 5, we learn that our eternal security is a, is a present possession, something we own right now. You come into chapter 6, and in chapter 6, we're going to 
begin to understand our walk, our sanctification, it's called, our living by grace. Here we're justified by grace. We, we understand absolute and total forgiveness. We have the standing before, uh, before God in Christ Jesus. In chapter 6 through 8, we come in and we understand that how, how we are equipped. How, do, how are we going to go live now? We learn that we are connected with our, chapter 6, dead to sin. Here's our position in Christ. Chapter 7, dead to the law. Here, here's our, here, we're going to operate under the program of grace. Chapter 8, dead to the flesh. We're going to live under the power of the Holy Spirit leading us. By the way, how does he lead us? Through the book. We got the book built in. We took God's word. We decided we, that's what we wanted. The soul said we're going to do it, and so we're building it in. Okay? Chapter 9, 10 and 11, the dispensational issues with the nation of Israel. For 2,000 years, you've had this great thing in the Old Testament of Israel, 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 and now God has said, nope, and I'm doing this. So what in the world's going on? What happened here? So you get the instruction there. That's a pillar. You know why it's a pillar? Because you're not spiritual Israel. You're not replacing Israel. What does, man, what does religion say? You're, every time you read Israel, just think body. No, you're not that. You are the church, the body of Christ. A new creature. A new species of humanity. And then in chapters 12 through 16, he says, okay, Take those 11 chapters of doctrine now, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to go live and, and, and apply this into the details of life. Practical instructions to take in the details of life. So what am I going to do? I'm justified by grace. I'm living by grace. I'm living in the dispensation of grace. And now I'm going to apply grace into the details of life. I just looked down. Shouldn't have wore black and do the chalk, right? So that's Romans. Romans lays that foundation in there. You, everything else now is going to be built on what he did in Romans. The next book, First and Second Corinthians. Well, we've got reproof, don't we? First and Second Corinthians. Bad behavior. What is it? You remember what he says of the Corinthians? You're babe. You're carnal. You're babies. You're weak. I can't do any. Look, look, look over there. I just look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The foundation has been laid. The Corinthians are not living like the doctrine in Romans has instructed them to live. The Corinthians are man focused. All right? They're 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 they're, they're, they're not living like they've been justified. They're not living in the identity they have in Christ. They're not living on that foundation. They're living for themselves. So it's a book of reproof. Galatians 2, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That, that is a sad statement by the Apostle Paul. Chapter 3, verse 1, 
And, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for yet ye are yet carnal. Isn't that interesting? He says the milk over there is Christ Jesus and him crucified. That's the milk. I want to move you to some perfection. Chapter 2 Verse 8, verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, mature. Not perfect and never make a mistake, but some maturity here. He goes, I can't take you to the next level. I can't take you to the next level of doctrine, which is the book of Ephesians. I can't do that with you because you're not there yet. You, you haven't even got out of the first five chapters yet. That's a little startling. You've got to pay attention to that. Because what do we tend to do? Oh, yeah, I got that. And we run to Ephesians and we go, oh, no, wait a minute. What happened here? But then in our lives, where are we living? In First and Second Corinthians. We're man-focused. So Paul focuses in on their misbehavior. And he, they're not living like who they really are. And he comes in and he nails them. The next book is the book of Galatians. So this is bad. If I can just do this bad behavior this is bad doctrine what did they do in Galatia they're saved Paul's gospel but what do they like they like that law man they like to say do this don't do this by the way Galatians is your Calvinism that's Galatia the book of Galatians is, is Moses focused they're focused on the law the law keeper that's Calvin by the way when you get into that stuff you know what Paul says? That's not you. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That's Galatians 3. <laughs> are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? How? It's not what you learned in Romans, guys. You with me? Next book is Ephesians. Oh, great book. Wonderful book. The book of Ephesians, it has to do with the church, the body of Christ. It has to do with the goal. It has to do with our fullness now and what we're all about. And the, by the way, this, this is faith. Love, sorry. <laughs> There's our love. So Ephesians comes in. We're advancing in the doctrine. Now, he's not telling you you can't go read Ephesians until you read Romans. Okay? He's not saying that. If you want to get the full benefit of Ephesians, what are you going to need? you got to have Romans. If you want to get the full benefit of the book of Ephesians, you literally need Romans, Corinthians, and Galatians. The greatest commentary on the book of Romans is First and Second Corinthians and Galatians. Greatest commentary. Beats them all. Ephesians, here's the church. The goal, what's he doing? The fullness. And he lays that out for us. Why is he forming the church, the body of Christ? He's equipped the church. Come over to Ephesians 1. He's equipped you to live on earth as a member of the body of Christ. That's why Ephesians 1 verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 
This is the real stuff here. He created the body for who? For the heavenly places. If you look there at verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. By the way, the mystery of his will, that's the Father's will. And what's he going to do? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Well, who's his heavenly agency? That's you and I, the church, the body of Christ. A body made up of a Jew and a Gentile. No distinction. No, all equally sinners. All equal based. Boom. Who's the earth? The earth belongs to the nation of Israel, specifically the Israel of God, the believing remnant out there in the future. And what are they going to do? They're going to rule and reign over the earth. You and I rule and reign over the heavenly places. He's got the two groups. It's been that way since Genesis 1-1, by the way. In the beginning, God created the what? The heaven? Who's that? We know now by the progressive revelation and the capstone of it by giving to the Apostle Paul, that's us, the church, the body of Christ, and the earth, there's Israel. That's why he would say, and the earth. And the earth is talked about from 1-1, one, one, I'm sorry, 1-2, all the way to Acts chapter number 9. It's all the earth, the earth, the earth. Now he says, nope, it's time for the heaven. And Ephesians lays out the fullness of it. Here's what it all means. It's all going to talk about. The first three chapters of Ephesians. I'm doing this with the doctrinal passages, okay? You find our wealth in Christ. You find our calling, our blessings, our standing, if you will. Chapters 4 through 6, you see our walk with Christ. So our wealth in Christ. Now we're going to see our walk with Christ. So we're going to have our conduct, our behavior, our status in the local assembly. You'll learn in Ephesians that it's local assemblies that's designed to do the work of the ministry. But in chapter 6, you also begin to find out our warfare for Christ. So our wealth in Christ, our walk with Christ, and our warfare for Christ. And there we find our conflict and our battle and our soldiering. But then we also see our impact in the heavenly places. That's the real stuff. What's after Ephesians? Philippians. And then Colossians. Philippians, look over there at Philippians 1, is a book of reproof. Because they are not walking in the unity that is provided in Christ from understanding what was happening at Ephesus in the doctrine of, of Ephesians. They're not walking right. If you look at chapter 1, if you look there at verse 28, verse 27, well, verse 28, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Well, what did we just learn at the end of chapter 6 of Ephesians? We have an armor. We're going to defeat the adversary, and yet what does Philippians do? They're terrified. They've allowed their emotions in the moment to run the show. They're, they're mature people, by the way. They're not immature people. <laughs> uh, if you look over at chapter 3 and verse 15, Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus... See, perfect. they're mature. So, so Corinthians, that's the kids... In Galatians, that's the kids, the children. 
What do you do when children get out of line? You bend them over your knee and you discipline them. But what do you do with adults? Bend them over your knee and discipline them, right? I don't know. When I got bigger than my dad, he said, we're not doing that anymore. We're having a conversation now. And you know what Paul does in Philippians and in Colossians with mature saints? He doesn't scream and yell at him. You remember in Colossians 6, you see how large a letter I wrote? I'm going to travail and birth again over you. <laughs> He's yelling at him, man. He's getting on him. Corinthians, he says, I don't want to come down there as a, dis a disappointed father and I have to discipline you. I don't want to do that. But for adults, what does he do? He sits down and have a conversation with them. He says, hey, look, you're terrified by your adversaries. You don't need to be that way. You need to grow up. Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, here's the issue, verse 19, they're not holding the head. And not holding the head from which, Colossians 2, 19, from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment, ministered and knit together, increased with increase. The thing there, they, they're not holding the head. Well, where did we learn about the head? Capital H, by the way. That's Ephesians, the church, the body of Christ. He's the head. Now you come to the next book of doctrine, and that's First and Second Thessalonians. And this is our hope. And in First and Second Thessalonians, we learn about our about the Lord's coming back for us. We learn about glory. We learn about the future we're going to have. First Thessalonians, every chapter of First Thessalonians has a component, a piece of of information regarding what we call the rapture and that event, those events that are going to happen there. Chapter 1, he says you're going to wait for it. You're not appointed to, to, to wrath. You're going to, you're going to wait for him to come back. Chapter 2, he says you're going, to do, you're going to be there, the crown of rejoicing when I see you. In chapter 3, he says then we're going to be presented to the Father after this is all done. Chapter 4, he gives us the details of the meeting in the air and the judgment seat of Christ and all that. Chapter 5, he says the whole of you is preserved to that day. You know what's going to happen in the moment in the twinkling of an eye? You're not going to be able to say, hang on a minute, I need a YouTuber. What did YouTube say? You're not going to be able to say that. When, when he says it's time, it's time, it's let's go, you're not going to be able to say, well, wait a minute, I need a verse here. You know, He's going to, boom, so what does your inner man need? Your inner man needs this in it. Why? Because that's who's going. When you go to be with the Lord, when the Lord comes back and takes you home, you're, you, know what's, you're going, you know what you're taking with you? The U-Haul trailer full of my stuff. No. You're taking the doctrines learned with you. That's what you're taking. 2 Thessalonians gets that connection back in with the prophetic scriptures and how it all matches up with prophecy. It doesn't deny prophecy. It doesn't fulfill it. It doesn't stop it. It doesn't do anything to it. And yet it begins to fit right where it's supposed to fit. 2 Thessalonians 2 is probably one of the greatest passages on the description of the Antichrist his rise in his career outside of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. Paul looks at them in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians and he says, you know perfectly about the day of the Lord. You, don't need to, you know everything about that. But we, then we get a little another group. Now, by the way, there's no more reproof and there's no more correction. Why? We're in glory. Woohoo! We don't need it. We're in a new body. We're, we got everything taken care of. We're presented to the Father. 
But we do have pastoral epistles, don't we? We have First and Second Timothy, and we have Titus, and we have Philemon. And this is going to talk about the congregation and why we are waiting for that wonderful day. Here's, our, here's the congregation, the meeting, the local assembly. Here's the issue of godliness is finally produced. Here's the issue of our fellowship and when we get together and what we're doing and why we do what we do and, and the roles that are played in it. First Timothy, teach no other doctrine, protect the doctrine. Second Timothy, preach the doctrine. Preach the word, he says. You know what to preach. You preach what I've taught you. Preach the word. Titus, practice the doctrine. Philemon, you personalize the doctrine. And that's what you do. By the yeah, fellowship, okay? You just read Paul's epistles. What did you just read into your inner man? The divine design for your edification. So over here in your inner man, you're building a superstructure of sound doctrine. You start with believing Romans. That's, you're, 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 you're a baby. You're just learning. And then you move into the carnal Corinthians. That's the baby stage. You know, you know babies. If you've been around kids at all, you understand that. They don't exactly have it all together, do they? Why can't I play in the street? Because I told you so. Why can't I play in the street? You play in the street, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be limping. Why, why, why you know? They don't they don't get it. Then you move into oh foolish Galatians. By the way, there's the teenage years, if you think about it. They think they know it, they think they got it, and yet we need to let NASA know. My 15-year, I heard a guy one time say, I need to let NASA know that my 15-year-old, he knows it all. And we got us a genius here. <laughs> okay? And he don't know squat, you know. But that's what you do. Then you move to Ephesians, to the faithful, the grown-up. Now he, the grown-up understands why you don't play in the street. Now he understands why the rules and the regs, why the structure. And you move into the Philippians. By the way, they're hard workers. They're not slouches. And Paul treats them as adults. And he begins to have a conversation with them. You move into the Colossians, and that's the grandparents, if you will. Because they love everybody. For the love of all the saints. You move over into the Thessalonians, and there's the eldership. Where you're waiting for that expectant hope. You're waiting for those end of days, if you will. That's the edification process. You just read that. What do we say? Read three chapters a day, Romans of Philemon. All your, what are you doing? Well, you've got human viewpoint, by the way. If you watch the news, you've got human viewpoint. If you watch NCIS, you've got human viewpoint. If you watch whatever you like to watch. Now, I'm not saying don't, because... I do, so you'll be more holier than me. That's fine. But 
you let it come in and you just let it hang out over here. You don't let it be a part of the decision-making process. You bring the Word of God in, put it down, have your will in your heart, say, that's what we're doing. Okay, emotions, go tell the body, let's go do the good works. Let's go do it. The conscience looks over there and says, yep, check mark, you're right on. You decide you're going to come over here and do something. You decide you're going to go to the swap meet Saturday morning. Your old body rolls over and says, I don't want to go to the swap meet. What are you making me do this for? And you don't go. And you know what you feel? You feel guilty. Because Sunday, we're going to talk about it and say, hey, what a wonderful time we had. And you're going to go, oh, man, I should have been. Well, what is that guilt coming from? That conscience saying, we made a decision and you blew it. Now, the guilt's your problem, not mine, or nobody's putting you under that, but that's how this works, okay? Now, your epistles, the epistles are wonderful doctrinal things. An epistle is a, come back to Romans uh, 16, if you will. The epistles are a wonderful method of writing. We got 10, 15 minutes, we can get this done. And what that is, it's a special kind of writing in that it is a formal treatise from a teacher to an adult son. It contains facts and doctrines, and it's meant to be written on. It's meant to be studied. It's meant to be hammered out. Romans to Philemon, sound doctrine, the sound doctrine treatise that the body of Christ needs to understand during the dispensation of grace and into the, fu the future. Hebrews through Revelation, the next set of epistles, sound doctrine for the little flock. What they need to understand for the to come, the wrath to come, the ages to come out there for them. So in an epistle, it by the way, it has an introduction. It has a body in the intro. They identify the writer, they by whom he's writing, the authority, and so forth, and the purpose. Then they have a body, the doctrine, then the conclusion, how to apply the body of doctrine to everyday life. Romans 16, the epistles link together. Look at Romans 16, verse 17. We can do this quickly. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. So the book of Romans is going to end with a warning of division and conflict. You see that? Verse 18, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. There's a warning there. Now look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. The link in. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. I, Sixteen ends, and right away, what do we got going on? We got the very warning happening. Come over to chapter, uh, uh, chapter 16. Of 1 Corinthians. So there's a natural progression. By the way, there's no link coming out of Acts in the Romans. Why? 
because Acts is Luke, it's not you and I. Acts is a book of indictment against the nation of Israel for missing the little flocks message, for rejecting that, and then rejecting the new message given to them by the Apostle Paul to become a part of the church, the body of Christ. It's a written indictment. So when that Jew stands at the great white throne judgment and says, I never know, I never knew, I never knew, he's going to say, yeah, you did, yeah, you did, yeah, you did. It's right there. And you know how you understand that? Think about Luke 16 with Lazarus and the rich man. What's that rich man say to Abraham? Send somebody from the dead and they'll believe. We're looking at this Wednesday night, dealing with miracles. And he says, no, they have who? Abraham and the prophets and Moses. They got the book to read. Let them read that. They ain't going to believe anybody from the dead anyway. So what is Israel going to You had the book. The oracles were given to you, and you denied it. Anyway, that's 2 Corinthians 16. That just lets you get to 16, okay? Look at verse 9. We start back verse, yeah, verse 9, just for time's sake. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many, what? Adversaries. Okay, come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You start there in verse 3. 4, 5, 6. Verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, and so much that we despaired even of life. What's going on in Paul's life? Adversaries. Yeah. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Verse 3, verse 4, who comfort us in all our tribulation. Why does he have tribulation? Why is 2 Corinthians now going to start talking about tribulation? Because 1 Corinthians ends talking about you guys are going to have some adversaries, and you need to know how to handle it. And Paul, if you look there at verse 4, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation. You know what Paul says? Look, guys, when you suffer, you look right over here at us, and how did we handle it? When you've got the blessings going on, look over here at us and how we he's the pattern in the suffering. So if you want to see how to get through the suffering, just come look at Paul. Come on to 2 Corinthians 13. The link, 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves. Ooh. I, I love, he's got some... He's got a, the opposition here. Verse 3, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you it is not weak, but it is mighty in you. Verse 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. You know what's happening? Paul's got an adversary. He's got a guy chasing him. It starts back in chapter 10. He's constantly dog, he's bird-dogging Paul. Everywhere Paul goes, he comes in and stirs the pot up. And he says, hey, look, guys, you need to examine yourself. Are you lost or are you saved? Well, I'm saved. Whose gospel saved you? My gospel did. So then guess what? You don't need 
a proof of Christ speaking in me. You're the proof. That's what he's doing here. Galatians 1. Look at the, what's happening at Galatians. Verse 1, verse 6. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. What's happening? Paul's, he's like, look, guys, examine yourself. Here's the, the proof that is you, and yet you're what? You're moved away from me. You're moved, you're going in the wrong direction. Come over to the end of the book, Galatians 6. Galatians 6, verse 15. You see how, do you see how they link? We're not reading every verse. You can go do that. The link is there. Galatians 6, verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Here it is. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. What's the body of Christ all about? It's that new creature. It isn't about circumcision and uncircumcision. It's about what? That new creature. So then what is Ephesians all about? That new creature. See that? All of it is. All of Ephesians. It's all about the the new creature and what God's doing by forming the body of Christ. And that before the foundation of the world... The heavenly program, the heavenly place, pro, the mystery program, all of, however you need, it's been on the board. It's just been hid in God. It's been kept a secret. And when you understand who you really are in Christ, you're that new creature, you're that new man. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, he talks about walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called. Come over to chapter 6. I mean, you think about that. You're going to get all of that wealth of information of that new man, that new creature in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 6, we end in verse 23. Peace be to the brethren and the love with faith from God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. They're really operating as what? One another here. They're really operating in that peace and love and grace towards who? Towards the brethren, towards one another. And yet in Philippians, what do they learn? Well, the ladies are fighting, aren't they? Philippians 1, if you look there at verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Man, think about that. Yet, what has happened to them? Well, they've caved into the adversaries. They're terrified. They've begun to have a little internal argument. Chapter 4, you got the, the two ladies, Euodius and Sotachi, Sintiki there. Yeah, so touchy. Yeah. And they get to arguing. And he's like, guys, no, this is not the body. This is not the unity. You come down in chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's the answer to it all. I'm the pattern. You want to have peace? You want to have what's going on? There it is. And yet at Colossae, what's come up? No peace. More trouble. Doctrinal error. They're not standing as who they are. In chapter 2 of Colossians, you have the whole of the adversarial attack, those four points, and he's just pounding them and pounding them. They're not holding the head. They're not in the proper position. Chapter 4 of Colossians, just for time, quickly here. Chapter 4, if you look at verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. What kind of believers are we looking for? Perfect, mature, complete. How? You're complete in Christ. Here it is. So what does 1 Thessalonians start with? What is called the perfect church in chapter 1, verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. That issue of spiritual maturity was fully working fully in their midst. They stand complete there. They're doing it. Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. What do they know about? They know, they know about the prophetic situation we sit in. And yet, in 2 Thessalonians, what happens? They get a little shook up, don't they? They get a little removed. They've, well, chapter 1, verse 6, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. <laughs> and flaming fire, taking vengeance. I mean, we, do we understand that? But yet in chapter 2, what are they? They're all shook up. And they're removed. You come over to 2 Thessalonians 3, the way that the book ends, verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, have no company with him, that, ye may be, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And what then we, do we learn in 1 Timothy 1? Teach no other doctrine. Why? Because some have gone to the fables and endless genealogies, and they're removed. Chapter 6 of 1 Timothy ends, well, 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. And what happens in 2 Timothy 1? They've all forsaken Paul. They've all left him. And they've gone into... into into a form of godliness and no power thereof. Chapter 4, verse 4, he says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And that turns and links us into Titus 1, where he sets in order what was missing at Crete. And you know what he does in verse 9, 10, and 11? He shuts the mouths of the gainsayers by the doctrine. They've left it, and he's getting them. Chapter 3 of Titus, and verse 14. 
and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they may be that they be not unfruitful and that's going to drag us into the close in Philemon the capstone of grace as it's been of the grace life as it's been called and that wonderful example of the of learning to maintain good works Verse 22, he ends it by saying, But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, and he gives that, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And you know what? There's no hook into the book of Hebrews. Because Hebrews isn't ours. It's to the Hebrews. So just as the epistles are laid out in a doctrine, reproof, correction, they link to each other the same way. Now, what does all that have to do with you and I and the, and the price of tea in China, as they would say? Actually, the gas price is at the pump, I guess, now. It has everything to do because what are we doing? We're just simply reading God's Word, putting it in. We're building an edifice of sound doctrine so that no matter what the circumstances of life bring our ways, we're able to reach down into our filing cabinet, if you will, and say, there's, an, there's a place to go look for the answer. There's a place to go look. There's a place to go look. There's a place to go look. Because on this foundation that he's laid in here, there's a life that we're to go live. And that's what we're going to go talk about, the grace life. And there's things in life to live. And again, we're just resetting our thinking here. The grace reset. But it's going to be based on this doctrinal foundation here. Okay? So when we talk about different subjects over the coming weeks, months, years, and so forth, it's going to be coming out of this structure. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son for the all-spiritual blessings, for the completeness, for the justification, for the eternal life that's ours because we're in you. In your name we pray.